Vaughn Armstrong, Admiral Forrest, and many others from Enterprise and many others. And you are listening to TrekMate. You're listening to the TrekMate Family Network. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Trek Mate Podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain, enlighten, educate, and talk all things Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack all hands battle stations. Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this. All right. Ask is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome to TrekMate. My name's Wayne Emery. And my name's Mark Warwick. And Wayne. thanks for watching and welcome to all of everyone watching us live at youtube.com slash Podcast. Remember you can subscribe to our podcast at trekmatefamily.com and watch the video of this show which is released on YouTube along with the podcast every Sunday. Uh, if you want to tune into a live show in the future, you can find out where our next show is by following us on Twitter. We're at TrekMate1701. You can add us on Facebook, just search for TrekMate, or visit our forum at forum.trekmatefamily.com. If you're watching live and you want to join in with the show, just tweet us with the hashtag, hashtag TrekMateLive, and those of you watching the video will see a third person here, a special guest. That is Mr. Larry Nemechek. Hello, Larry. Whoa! So, am I on? Am I on now? You're always on. Anytime I've ever spoken to you, you've always been on. (laughs) That's an old. There's a there's a comedy thing that the Statler Brothers comedy duo did called uh, Lester Roadhog Moran and the Cadillac Cowboys, which was a parody of a small town country music band. Mm. And he they were horrible, which is part of the joke. And he would always start off everything on the radio or at their dance and say, "Are are we on?" Are we on? So, you know, when they were on. So, Anyway, that's pretty obscure. It has nothing to do with Star Trek, but I'm a well-rounded guy. Anyway, guys, thanks for having me on. This is kind of exciting. It's like 1950, it's like 1948 or something here, and we're, you know, (laughs) pioneering media. It's still very new to us as well. That's the thing. It's it's one thing to be listening to some of these voices, but to uh, be... face-to-face with them is uh, mm-hmm. brand new as well, so it's 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 been fun. It really has. Uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us uh, this week, Larry. Am I, now, am I, in, did I hear this correctly? Am I popping your cherry as far as having a guest on the show, or have you had a guest before? Uh, on, the, uh, on the video. On the video. Yeah. On video, yeah. You know, I know you've had guests on, but yeah, I've been on with you before, so okay. I was just curious, yeah. <laughs> Exciting, exciting time. Oh, look, there's the Wright Brothers plane. Okay, and now it's us. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, um, before we get into the meat of the thing, there's been a couple of sad bits of news this week that I didn't want to miss out. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, 
just wanted to pay our respects. I know that uh, Matt and myself grew up with Ghostbusters, and the passing of Harold Ramis really was a shock. So, yeah. did you, uh, your LA side, did you ever uh, have any meetings with Harold oh. Oh, no, no, no. My meetings with Harold Ramis were like late night Saturday nights on SCTV yeah. <laughs> to begin with, you know. And uh, no, no, and I think he actually – he was very proud of the fact that he was from Chicago, mm -hmm. Second City and all that. And even though he did a lot of you know Hollywood work, um, he made a point of keeping his base in Chicago. So no, it wouldn't have been a circle – I would have traveled in in L.A., but he wasn't in L.A. to begin with. But no, no, everybody was, you know, from from like Animal House and I know, you know, Stripes and all to Groundhog Day and some of the more sophisticated things he did. But you know, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Harold Ramis's films always had just a real heart to them that a lot of comedies don't necessarily get. Like yeah. Groundhog Day, just. I'm mesmerized by that film even today. Even as maddening as it can be sometimes, but it yeah. still, yeah, it still gets you. And um, yeah, and people think of him as you know being Egon in, in Ghostbusters, but he Harold Ramis is one of those guys that even to say, oh, I knew that guy, but I don't know his name. But even you know the directing and writing, the things he really had an impact in way more than the characters he played. Mm -hmm. um, and people, those things piled up, and people. I mean, sadly, it takes someone passing away, and you went, "Wait, what? The guy that did Meatballs and Caddyshack mm. and Groundhog Day? You're like that was one guy, you know, yeah. for that that you know, just the umbrella of that kind of work." And then you throw in, "Well, yeah, but he was he was Mo Green on Second City TV," and <laughs> aside from the ones you remember on camera. Well, that's so true because I was uh, I was so surprised I. Knew about the majority of his catalogue of work, but I never realised that he'd done Animal House, and I used to love that film. Yeah, well, that was like early, you know, that was early on. That was mid mid seventy. Well, yeah. right after uh, Saturday Night Live came out, so and Belushi was a star. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all about the same time, seventy six, seventy seven, and um, yeah, about the time he was doing SCTV, and you know, everything uh, everything blew up for him in a good way right then. So yeah. Yeah, the fact that he was 69 was just enough of a setback, much less the fact that the fact that he'd passed. Yeah. So yeah. No, definitely. And also there was a second passing this week, so much more Star Trek related uh, mm -hmm. uh, that you may have uh, had contact with at some point, Larry. Uh, uh, Cliff Bowl. Mm-hmm. Also passed yeah. away. Yeah, I'm. I've been tardy to get my post up. It's about half written, but I need to pull some pictures together. But uh, no, when I was first came out to L.A. the second year before we moved here, and I was working on the Next Gen Companion and getting to go down some major check checklists. Uh, Cliff was one of the ones that I wanted to talk to because of Best of Both Worlds, and mm -hmm. you know, by then he directed um, Unification Part Two. So you know, with Spot with Leonard Nimoy which was historic at the time. But, uh, you know, on one hand, one of the most inglorious things in TV is being a TV director. I mean, they're not, it's nothing compared to being a motion picture director. It's the same craft, basically, but it, in, uh, in movies, the director is, is the top dog, pretty much. And in, in TV, directors usually are just the guys, you know, it's, the, it's a writer-producer medium, 
and the directors come in 20 or 26 times a year <laughs> and shoot the show, or even maybe 10 or 12 now. So it's not that big a deal unless you be, you're like a regular director. If it's a sitcom or somewhere where they've got like the same one or they have two guys that alternate or whatever. But all the all a lot of shows and all the Star Treks in particular have directors they they get into a into a habit with for in a good habit because they like them and they work and that's good that's that's great they get another they don't have to be told the continuity of the show especially something like Star Trek that's sci-fi it's got its own bible and background if you're running out to go film you know uh, Desperate Housewives or something it's it's like well here's the characters but Star Trek you kind of need to know the basic feel of things. And um, and yeah, so Cliff got into that real fast. In fact, you know, Cliff uh, first season, Cliff worked on Next Generation and did Allegiance. I mean, I'm sorry, did Conspiracy. And when uh, Captain Reeks, one of those captains that Picard meets with early on about the conspiracy, uh, Rick Berman decided he didn't like Andorians, and they needed another alien there. They just basically took the antenna and the wig off and made Captain Reeks a. <laughs> A new, a new blue-skinned alien with a bald head, and they just kind of laughingly named it after Cliff Bowl, and that's where the Bolians came from. So, Cliff was always kind of tickled that you know, but he was just a, he was just an average, down-to-earth, blue-collar working director that was just really thrilled that he you know not stumbled in, but that he wound up in the circle of Star Trek, and it was so good. And he was the most prolific uh, Next Generation director, and then did a ton of of DS nines and um, Voyagers as well. As well as a lot of the show, he did a lot of MacGyvers, and uh, that was kind of the thing he was doing a lot of before Star Trek. And he did some things since then. He's been, you know, he's been retired 10, 12 years, and <clears throat> went too soon, I think. But um, um, no, he was a great guy. He was very nice to me. The first, like I said, that second year I was out here, Next Gen was in sixth season, and uh, he was great. Sit out. He'd just shoot the bull and um, tell you. You know, tell you what happened, and he, and he didn't all have. We say, "Ooh, best of both worlds," and unify. He also had Aquiel, and he had some other real dogs. And you know, it's not like it's yeah. not like it's his fault. I mean, again, the director is not the most important guy, unless they screw up, mm -hmm. but bad big time, and then they don't get invited back. But it's a producers and writers medium, so you can't totally blame Aquiel on Cliff Bowl, but and some of the other, you know. But it's like I I, I got to meet. I I didn't meet. But I had uh, lunch today with Chris Black, that was a writer on um, on Enterprise, and we were talking about. I did a thing for my blog to come up soon, but you know the Enterprise last blue, the last season of Enterprise Blu-ray is coming up, and they did a writer reunion for that. And we were talking about that, but he he had a good point, and he said on these shows where you have to do 26 shows a year, he's like, you know, a he says we had the rule of thirds. Uh, a third of them are great, a third of them are horrible, and a third of them are okay. Yeah. <laughs> Every season, so so Cliff had his share of those, and he was always very honest to say, "Yeah, yeah, that was a dog, but hey, I'm you know I'm glad to had the ride, and overall it was great people to work with, and it was a smart show, and he was always you know always thrilled and honored to be with, be associated with Star Trek, and to and to be hooked in with one of the classic classic shows, Best of Both Worlds, the first cliffhanger, and then the thing that really exploded Next Generation's personality. He's all he he's forever you know thrilled to have that association." Just a just a real plain spoken, down to earth, you know, call a spade a spade guy. Well, to be honest, I don't think uh, anything that we say could uh, top that. But he certainly did contribute uh, so much. Uh, like 
the, as you said, the directors rarely get mentioned of the shows unless mm -hmm. it's one of the actors that has stepped into the director's chair. Right. So no, very much. He, he's uh, he's done a lot for Star Trek, and uh, he and Harold Ramis will be missed. Yep, yep. And I should say, you know, I I don't know if anybody. It was kind of one of those slow motion things where somebody passes away and then the family takes a month or two to kind of tell the outside world. But it's been about a year since a Rick Colby passed away, Winrich Colby, who was German but who was in the States and mm -hmm. did a ton of – he was probably like number two to Cliff, I think, on Next Generation. But Rick, um, aside from – well, lots of things, but Rick directed uh, all, good, all Good Things, the finale, really? and then turned right around – which was a two-hour, and turned right around a few weeks later and was honored and got to direct um, the pilot for Voyager, you know, emissary, I mean a care caretaker, and um, and did a lot of – and it actually had kind of an affair, kind of dated situation with uh, Kate Mulgrew when she first came on the show for a couple of years. But no, and he did a lot, and he retired about 10 years ago, and he passed away just about a year or two ago, and I he was another one that back in the day – I feel bad because some of these guys I haven't I haven't seen them in ten or twelve years, but um, but you know again and and again they're people I've got on my my good old cassette tapes I'm trying to get digitized and get them preserved so I, yeah I'm really I'm really thrilled to have um, done that and the th weird thing about Star Trek you mentioned people that you know directors we don't usually know or talk about or whatever they're in mm -hmm. television but that was the cool thing about working on Star Trek if you were you know, forget director. If you were the prop guy or the stunt coordinator, or you were the construction foreman, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you. I mean, uh, Al Smutko, bless his heart, and I don't know if he's still with us or not, but he was the construction. He was basically head of the guys in the mill that built the sets. Uh, through you know, he had a long career. He was a Hungarian immigrant after World War II, mm -hmm. um, and his pinnacle was he worked at Paramount. And uh, he was the construction guy for all of Next Generation and all of Voyager, and then he retired at the end of Voyager. And his name was Al Smutko, and you you should know this. <laughs> if you just watch Next Generation shows, those ending credits, his name would be like at the top of a page. And I and I would always kind of notice it, and I had a friend that every time the credits would go by if we were watching together, she'd go, Al Smutko! <laughs> and it was just like – it was a Hungarian name, but it had – Smut. Oh, is it Smut? Yeah. But – it's like it had that effect on a lot of people, and when I was out working on my book, I met him, and uh, he said, would you like to join the Al Smutko fan club? And I'm like, what? And there were like these fans in Michigan who made up – they like did the same thing, and they, they started the Al Smutko fan club and made up buttons, and he was like so proud. <laughs> And you know, and he and they sent him some buttons, and so he's like walking around the lot, and Rick Berman had an Al Smutko fan club. And you know, in the reality of work, here's Hollywood and producers and actors, and then here's like directors and designers, and he's a he's pretty much a tradesman, a blue, pretty blue collar, you know, head of a crew. He had a lot of experience in. But Star Trek is the kind of show where the construction coordinator is famous. You know, <laughs> it's like, and that's one of the cool things about about Star Trek and anything that's got a huge fan base to it eventually people come to appreciate those guys so yeah so anyway I'm sorry I'm rambling again but um, no, I get you know, I've, I've just uh, I've just looked him up on the Memory Alpha apparently the Al Smutko fan club is still going and Jonathan Frakes is a member mm -hmm. so there you go basically you remember if you said hey Al can I have a button it was sure <laughs> and <laughs> 
no. Well, yeah, no, Larry. I do need to lay down the uh, the law now. I know traditionally we would record and uh, go for hours. Yeah. However, yeah. what's our show, what's our limit here? The show is now fifty <laughs> minutes long, so I'm going to have to put you on a leash. Okay. Please, <laughs> so please, do, please do. <laughs> the world will love you for it. Please. Yeah. <laughs> so. And the uh, first thing that we need to discuss, uh, you're once again going on your famous uh, Vegas Trek tour now. Yeah, this is. Uh, we decided last year to hold off a year and mm -hmm. come back every two years. So this is the year, and um, uh, the, the little hashtag kind of handle we came up for it was LA to Vegas, but mm -hmm. it's still uh, the Los Angeles to Vegas Trek film site tour with Larry Nemechek. I'm being branded in it. <laughs> But my friend Terrace Cassidy at Geek Nation Tours, which is actually in Canada, in Alberta, uh, he's doing 20, 30 tours a year now. All you know, game conventions and sci-fi conventions and medieval castles uh, and medieval, I mean, uh, uh, military battlefields, all anything you can geek out about. And his company is really booming along now. But you know, he came to me a couple years ago and said, "Can we do this?" And for Star Trek, and I said, "Sure." And so we had the first one in 2012. Uh, they're kind of small; it's like a boutique thing. Uh, everybody that went on the the tour had a ball, had a blast, and we set up the first one as we're doing again as a lead into the Vegas Trek convention. So um, you come to LA; it's like a week of going around here with a. We actually have a plan. <laughs> And uh, and then wind up in Vegas for the convention, and then it we technically go. Obviously, you go to the convention, but Terrace is around as a concierge, and we have a goodbye dinner. Like if you're if you're at the Rio there, and you want to get down to the Strip, or you want to get downtown, he'll he'll get you there, kind of a thing. And if the group wants to do something at night, you know, buck the convention of evening or or whatever is available, and go off and do something together, they can do that. So so yeah, we're having this is kind of the prime sign up time. And uh, we've tweaked, we've made a couple of changes since the, the tour in 2012. We're actually going to go out to the Valley of Fire this year, where Captain Kirk met his Waterloo, and uh, which is right up the road. It's on the other side of Vegas from L.A., which is why we didn't do it the first year. But we've, we've just, we're going to get to Vegas basically on, when, on Tuesday night and go out there on Wednesday. And work permitting, if Faceoff doesn't have him swallowed up, uh, Mike Westmore is going to go out with us. And talk about because he was there when they filmed those scenes. There was a very small crew that went out, and he was out there and talk about that. And here's a here's a cool one for you: the infamous, <laughs> as many times as Kirk walked the bridge, it was the bridge that killed him. Mm -hmm. And uh, that bridge is was given by the film crew to the Valley of Fire State Park, and uh, it's actually being used to to across a, you know, crevasse there. Like a, I don't think uh, it's desert, so it's not a stream. I don't think. Yeah. But anyway, you can go have your picture taken on the bridge, you know, that killed Kirk, kind of a thing. So that's pretty anyway, cool. That's one of our new things. And our welcome dinner this time is going to be at Ciroc Lofton's restaurant after you come in for, to LAX. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's um, you know, if you're not familiar with it, we basically go to everything we go to is a Trek film site tour. A lot of them are nice touristy things to go to anyway, like the Santa Monica Pier or. Vasquez Rocks or whatever. A lot of it you could go to yourself if you're up on the research, but it's cool. Uh, we try to have uh, we we have Bobby Clark who was the Gorn, 
one yeah. of the two guys who's you can go see him at a convention now. But we have him there at Vasquez Rocks talking about the Kurt Gorn fight, the shooting, you know, and he walks us through the days, mm -hmm. which is very cool. So you're in a, and you're in a group. So if you're from the UK or Germany or Japan or Australia, and we've got we had international fans coming last time, and we have this time, um, and maybe you're a little intimidated about the travel, um, or maybe going to Vegas by yourself or even with a buddy. Come take the tour. You've gotten eased about going around the states. You've gotten e and you've you've come up with friends that you walk in the door with. So you know, especially if you're not English speaking naturally. So, um, so it's got cool benefits that way. But doing anything in a, with a group of you know truck fans. I mean, it's like bring your if we go to Starfleet Academy, bring your uniform and your phaser and take you know pose outside the real deal. Which is kind of cool. We have, you know, we make time for that. So, so it's a, it's just a lot of fun. And um, and Terrace works with everybody. It's very, like I said, it's very boutique. So he he has a travel agency, and this is on the side, but it's getting bigger and bigger. And uh, he'll he works with everybody to personalize it there. So um, so yeah, geeknationtours.com, and 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 you can go to the Facebook page and go back to 2012 and look at the album of pictures from the Trek tour there and get an idea. We go to the Q Continuum. We go to a lot of places that are not real well known, but they're still very Star Trek and very cool. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. So we'd love to have everybody that can. You know, it's in August. It'll be hot, <laughs> yes. but um, that's the time of year. So uh, you know, and and don't like I said, don't be afraid to make tweaks. Uh, talk to Terrace about it, and he he accommodates. He'll he'll massage the the package and and uh, make it for everybody. You know well, what they want. The, all the times that we've discussed uh, Geek Nation tours with yourself, it's always sounded like after the fact. It's always sounded like you know, it's such a blast uh, that you yeah. guys had, and just like the finding uh, the, the stories that you would tell of suddenly finding intricate little details about like ha uh, passing by and then finding exactly where they filmed a particular scene in that location. So. It's definitely a gold mine of opportunities for uh, trekkies. Yeah, and and I we I had a moment on the lot. I mean, we go to uh, at one point we go to Paramount because there's a lot of location shooting around the lot. But you can also talk about the history of the shows there. And uh, last time we had a surprise jump in guest. I don't want to commit because he may not be able to do it again. But hopefully we were planning to. Mm -hmm. But I found out I I didn't realize we got back by the old Desilu stages from the original series, which now have different numbers. Now they're twenty nine and thirty or thirty and thirty one. Mm -hmm. But I we were looking and and our page who took we go around with a regular page, but then they let me jump in and then our other guest we had uh, jumped in too. But our page said and if you look you can see. Uh oh. Oh. Paint for all, and I was like, "Holy cow! I've been here 20 years, and I can I can see where the nine and the ten were under." It was like, "Oh my god!" Blew my mind. So even I learned something new. But but yeah, it's very cool. We went to uh, you know Grumman's Chinese, the Hand and Foot. We went to the Walk of Fame stars for Star Trek people, and uh, mm -hmm. you know uh, Walter just got it was the last of the original series, and just got his star. So we some of those things we do and get everybody there. But no, we you know we go a lot more obscure things. But we. Definitely, everybody. We do go to Paramount and walk around and talk about where they everything was shot and and a lot of the outdoor. We watch where Chakotay jumped off the stairs in work in workforce. <laughs> we go to where Spock and Kirk watched the rocket launch with Gary Seven, you know, at the McKinley rocket, uh, you know, in the original series days. That's what's cut. Kind of, we Nazi headquarters are there, so you know, from 
piece of the uh, from uh, Patterns of Force. So, Excellent. Yeah. Well, we do have a question uh, from one of the uh, viewers. Uh, James oh, Roberts cool. has asked what I'm assuming uh, I already know the answer is. You've said that it's going to be every two years. He's uh, just asking, are there going to be any plans for the 50th anniversary? Oh, yeah. Nope, absolutely not. We thought, you know, let's skip the 50th anniversary. <laughs> No, Let's wait for the well, yeah, That's our plan. I mean, we're always trying to make it. And again, this is like one tour out of thirty or something that that Terrace office uh, offers. You know, it's the one I'm involved in, mm -hmm. and he's very kind to hired me and put my name in the official title and all that stuff. But no, I mean, yeah, and I mean, we have plan. We have ideas. I would love to do apart from you know, the, this is tied into the Vegas convention. I want to do one that's a standalone either tied into a San Francisco convention or not. But I want to do an L.A. to San Francisco one where we do some L.A. things. We go through Bakersfield because there was a lot of outdoor locations. There's some of the Picard vineyards that we saw. Other other things, especially in Generations, were shot around there, some of the horse barns. Thing. But then get on up to San Francisco, and now you've got all the stuff to play with. You know, well, you're in San Francisco, so, you know, but going to the Golden Gate is a touristy thing, but here's the Golden Gate, you know. And uh, all the places where Starfleet and the Academy were supposed to be, we can walk around all the, the places there. The shooting locations from Star Trek IV, you know, all the fictitious, the, the, the actual real-life corner where Kira and O'Brien fictitiously kept beaming down, you know, um, when they were hunting for da from the Bell Riots show, and I've just gone blank on it, Future Past. Um, yeah. Uh, you know those kinds of things, and I think we'd have a, a ton, plus. You're in San Francisco, so you're gonna have a ton of fun anyway. You know, but that's an idea that we've talked about doing as, as we start picking up more regulars and more clientele, and people get to know the idea more. So, um, so we'll see what the 50th anniversary brings, but we will definitely do something. I can promise you that. Excellent. And thanks for the question. Yeah. yeah, no, I was going to say, if anyone else wants to fire any questions at Larry, then uh, tweet us, uh, hashtag TrekMateLive, and uh, we'll try and get quick answers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes, <clears throat> quick answers. No, um, also, uh, you've uh, since I last spoke to you, you had another book come out this year. Yes, in fact, it's much more than a book. Why, look, I happen to have one here. And it's, I even hear it's, they're selling it across the pond, too. Yay. There we go. Okay. Nice. I feel like I'm fighting the camera like on a on tonight's show or something. Yeah. No, this was a really incredible, um, a lot of fun. I know it was overdue in my mind, and a lot of fans probably felt the same way. But I, I love it because it's almost like a mission. It's like a mission to bring back cool nonfiction Star Trek as opposed to you know, mm -hmm. even the stuff I love, like reference books and guides, and and in some ways it takes me back to being, you know, a kid again with um, the blueprints and tech manuals and those kinds of things. They weren't yeah. just they weren't just show guides, you know. And although we need those, and 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 the next gen companion was a huge, you know, thing to work on, and I'm glad it was a big deal. And all the companions and the encyclopedias and that stuff. But the cool thing about these being people unfolding the maps and and all that, I wish. I always say this. I wish we had more time to work on it. We had, we were supposed to have about three months and wound up with about five. But um, and and I already have a list of you know ads and fixes and things for the next time. But I just, I'm just really happy with the coolness on different levels, 
-hmm. And uh, the, you know, the idea they came to that Becker Mayer and Amazon had, and then our friend John Van Sitters in licensing, and then by the time it got to me, it was you know the maps and the book. And they had some general ideas for the maps, and we tweaked those, and I had some ideas put in. And then all of them being kind of separate in how much work they were. <laughs> some of them were just get it done. We already know that you know we didn't reinvent the wheel because we had Jeff Mandel's great um, kind of after the years of Canon piling up and the best guess and fan input. And that was pretty good, but it was just not usable, and it's already been 10 years, which creeped up on me. So this was great as far as having the maps and having the alien perspectives. Personally, I got to choreograph the Dominion War, <laughs> which had been this big pile of bleh, <laughs> logic-wise. And uh, even even to Ira and Ron and the writers at the time, they were like, "We can't get bogged down in the detail. Let's just tell the story." And and you know, and then which translated to uh, Mike Akuda and. And uh, Drexler just kind of making those really cool, pretty battle maps that didn't really mean anything, <laughs> and um, and then Jeff kind of like fudged it in the book by just kind of putting those maps in <laughs> verbatim, yeah. and you could see how they didn't kind of really relate to anything. So it was like those had to be canon, but you know. So anyway, I made up an, I made up a reason for what those meant, and I also kind of sketched out. What the strategy of the and why was Earth and Vulcan and Risa always under attack and threatened, you know. When if like if they were so threatened, why didn't we do a story about Earth being attacked? You know, so I kind of explained what all that a, a, a theory that's I've evolved over the years, and I think it's about the only thing that works well. And so anyway, mm -hmm. so I was very proud of getting to expand that. And and Jeff does one of the posters in here. He, he does what I call the kitchen sink <laughs> poster. It's like everything in there, the map, um, the last one. So no, I'm just I'm very proud of it and. The biggest hoot of all, I think, is that the the discount Amazon price is forty seven ninety nine. I just love that, you know, the forty seven. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the, in the UK, it's forty six twenty apparently on Amazon. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's, <laughs> that's it. Won't translate to the pound as well. But yeah. yeah, they didn't get in on the joke. <laughs> Very cool. But no, thanks for asking. Because uh, the other thing is. You know, it was such a. It was right before Christmas, and it was like, get it for Christmas, get it for Christmas. And I want to tell people, it's not. You know, it didn't evaporate with the holidays. It's. It's not just it's for Christmas. There. It's for it, It's not just for Christmas anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but everybody's been pretty. Of course, me. I'm the stickler, and I. And there's a few sticklers out there who are happy to tell me, and I'm mostly happy to hear it if if they're nice about it. But I have my own, you know, things that. Okay, I'm ready to do the update, or I'm ready to do the next one. Yeah. So, um, but generally, overall, people have been, you know, as it was planned to be. Hopefully, in a lot of different ways. Hopefully, the Klingon fans, or if you're a Roman or Cardassian or Vulcan fan, you got something cool. Or if you're a gamer, you know, or whatever. Um, I, it was funny because when it first came out, and people, I was watching Twitter and Facebook, and people talking to me, and somebody said, "I don't have enough walls," you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to pick that up because I'm curious as to hear your theories as to uh, why Earth and Vulcan were always under such threat when they're so deep within the uh, Federation space. But it's, well, it's, three three words for you: the the Gulf War. I'm not that hot on the Gulf War. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I was going to say I I knew that was going to. See, I was trying to keep that one short and intriguing for once instead of blah 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 all over. Baghdad Alley and the Gulf War, and I'll leave it with that, and I'll let you find out on your own. How about that? And everybody out there? Research. 
<laughs> research or buy the book. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely going to have to. So since you're since you enjoy filling in blanks, here's one for you that we've always pondered. Why is uh, the nearest ship available always <laughs> yeah. Earth, and why is there no other ships in the Sol system ever? Well, see, Kirk had this great PR guy who always managed to bribe, <laughs> and he just kind of passed his grandson down to Picard, you know, and that's what it was. Yeah. I, I could come up with as cheesy an answer as you. No, I know, I know. You're going really, really the Capital Federation. There's only one ship there. For... Yeah, I know. And I it's know. not even ready till Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and the tor and the torpedoes will be in Tuesday or whatever. Oh wait, yeah. that's the B. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see how you know Starfleet has some traditions and some traditions. <laughs> Every generation, it's like let's just keep the Enterprise around Earth at certain times, around that's cliffhanger it. time and movie time. Let's just keep the Enterprise around. Everyone can go on shore leave to Riser. It's fine. <laughs> But nothing bad's going to happen. And the only time that they do have ships, they're all incapacitated by some uh, big probe looking for whales. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or this big blocky thing coming from, you know, the Delta Quadrant that we've yeah. barely explained. So, yeah. Exactly. Then, then the Enterprise <laughs> is luckily not there because it's the only ship that survives, but still... And then see, we talk about a new series, and <laughs> and these wimpy TV writers go, "There's there's so much canon, we can't write new stories because there's so much canon to put up with." And I, it's like, oh, like so, freedom means you can have the Enterprise be the only ship in the quadrant. Is that what being yeah. free of canon means to you? <laughs> anyway, get over it, babies. My 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 guy, my friends, the tough authors of the novels, they managed to weave canon in. So I think you can, you know, hire one of them. Hire me. We'll tell you what to do. Right? You know, no, seriously, it's like write it since we're on this. It's like write a good story. It's like write it and they will come and you can tweak. You know, they make fun of the old the scripts on Next Gen for doing like he texts the tech. You know, fill it in later. But but it's true. It's like write the story and. And you can tweak that stuff later. These people that are intimidated by Star Trek canon, it's yeah. like you don't, you know, don't do a Stuart Baird and wish that the nacelles could come off the ship and fly around separately. I mean, that's kind of wacky. But you know, short of that, write your story, write your characters, and then somebody can tweak it. It's, it's not rocket science, haha. But yeah, anyway. Oh, that isn't that wacky, isn't that pretty much what the uh, uh, message in the bottle was about? How do you how do you mean? <laughs> the Prometheus just split up into different pieces. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and if and if you got a bottle of red matter laying around, I guess all bets are off. But anyway, yeah. no, definitely. Um, <laughs> also, uh, we've uh, got another question for you from Commander Furball, who uh, says he wants to uh, just ask about an update for Con of Wrath. Which I know is very much a side project. Oh, thanks. And just yeah, taking yeah. over. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Commander. Um, Con of Wrath is still going on. It did take a back seat. One of the one of the reasons why I'm decided not to keep going on with Star Trek Continues as McCoy, but keeping a hand in it, 
because the Con of Wrath really took a back seat. I all of a sudden last year just exploded. I had stellar cartography and continues and all these things I've been trying to get along on my own, and then things walked in the door, and which was great, but it was a crazy year. And in the middle of that, we we moved after 15 years, and my son got married, and you know family stuff. So the Con of Wrath, it's very much alive. Uh, the page is still up. I need to update the page. We had one major shoot uh, with about eight, ten fans and dealers in Oklahoma, Texas last year, and that's really the biggest part I got to do. I'm kind of, you know, it's like, oh, commit yourself, damn it. I'm kind of trying to commit it to coming out for 2016, speak of the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not in the glaring spotlight of that August, September crazy, what you know will be a crazy media time. That would be yeah. kind of thin bandwidth right there. But, um, Sometime earlier in 2016, um, we're probably – I'm probably a little over half of the people I, I want to have on camera, and there's some live things. Uh, we need to get into our archival footage, and there's a couple of live faces that I still need to, to get to track down and get to or, or talk into being mm-hmm. in. But yeah, we're, we're overdue to start working on our packages of things and start making some roughs of some of the segments, so – so yeah, it's alive, and you can still donate. And I've gone back and forth on whether I want to do a Kickstarter or not. Um, I started getting the pieces together for a Kickstarter, and then watching how people did them very well and not so well. It's an awful lot of work, and so far I've been able to keep this on kind of a simple, simple structure. And I've just kind of, when I go to cons live, I have a, I do a meetup fundraiser thing like on Saturday night, and people come and put in $20 or whatever for a screen credit, and we have kind of a live show, and it kind of livens up just making the PayPal donation type. I have levels like a Kickstarter has. It's just not a Kickstarter. but uh, And people are welcome to do that at conofrath.com and read all about it. But, um, but yeah, I've kind of backed off on doing a big formal Kickstarter with all the work that that takes. It's like they went three – when I started the Con of Wrath, I had to like – somebody told me what a Kickstarter was, and he was the only. He lived in Ohio, and now you know it's became this craze, and then it became the craze that if you didn't do it right, you crashed and burned, and that was embarrassing. And then it became the thing that there's this whole sub industry of Kickstarter gurus and coaches, <laughs> you know, to how to do it right. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot, I'm actually doing a real thing over here. The object of my energy is not doing the Kickstarter. It's, the Kickstarter is to be able to do the real project. So I'm I'm gonna hold off on doing that for now, and since we're such a one man band small show, but uh, but thanks for asking. And conofrath.com has all about it. I feel like I've talked about the actual event a million years, but yeah, the ultimate fantasy, not my title. The con of wrath, not my title. The fans came up with that when the ultimate fantasy melted down two two weeks after the real wrath of con opened, all back in Houston, Texas. Uh, the biggest event in Star Trek history that didn't turn out the way the backers intended. And that's the thing. Every time you've told me this story, I'm looking forward to uh, watching the uh, documentary <laughs> when you get around to it. Because... When, you, when, I te- yeah, when I get around to it, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm just when you get around you. to it. I'm just teasing you, <laughs> Wayne. That's all I'm trying to do with this. Yeah. No, no, no. It's I, I know that. I don't mean to sound so laissez-faire there because the first year or so we were really working along earnestly and then we had a, had a couple of delays that were thrown at us and then last year was just kind of like crazy year so 
back at it and back at um, back at planning and working and moving along with it. So yeah, so thanks, Commander, for bringing that up. Brilliant. And uh, also, we've uh, had another question, which kind of ties into if anybody's watching live right now, they they may see a slight bones esque uh, look oh. on you right now, Larry. <laughs> better, well, better bones than uh, than that other guy with the knitted, with the small mustache. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is my. This is my. I'm growing out of because we shot the second one in October. Uh, so yeah, 2013 was also the year that I kind of went through the year looking like this all year long, and it's gradually going away now. But uh, yeah, playing McCoy for Star Trek continues. That was that was a hoot. I'm, I was not trying to complain about it a while ago. It was amazing. Nice. It was hard work. I've I've been working on um, uh, voice acting. Mm-hmm. And uh, commercial spots and demo and narration and animation, hopefully, and working on a demo for that and to get my name out there and my voice out there the last year and a half, two years. It, it makes a lot of sense for me. Now. I, my kids are gone. We've downsized a little. Um, the writing world is, you know, the, with media and digital things, and everybody wants something for free and they want it five minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, it's. And I've got a lot of things I put in the box years ago. I my my college degrees are in theater and directing, and um, so it's I saw that as kind of a smart thing to look down the road and do for you know until I'm in the grave or whatever. So um, I've had a lot of good luck so far, and I'm getting active with that. So playing McCoy kind of came along with that, and I'd done a little acting before that. But this whole process has really kind of kick, has been a good kick in the butt. To get me back to performance in a lot of ways, and um, so yeah, so I plus it's McCoy, and you know everybody knows that's my favorite character old time and old school, and and it was a hoot, and uh, and I don't know if you've seen Lolani. Lolani is the second episode of Continues. It's a lot yeah. different. It still made a big impression on people. I see people picking their favorite, or they like both of them, or whatever. But it's a different show as far as the vibe. The first one was had a very Good was a sequel. And the second one wasn't. The first one had a central guest star with a couple of others, and um, this one is very guest star centric. And a lot of the regular cast are kind of, you know, pushed back a little bit. And people, which is what happened on the regular show on the series. Some 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 shows are heavy McCoy or Scotty, and some you barely see them at all. So so that happened. And um, anyway, it was a great a great time, and the people involved are all great. It's a real family, and that's kind of why they wanted me to. I wanted to, and they wanted me to, you know, stay involved. And um, I and the third one is about to shoot next month, and I'm gonna hopefully get to go out and see a few days of it. And uh, it'll be a real fan pleaser. Because um, yeah. well, one of our viewers, Robert Sully, was asking uh, whether you had any plans uh, for episode three. Uh, uh, do you know who's going to be playing Bones? Uh, actually, it's that's part of the big formula. A uh, friend of Vic Mignogna's, Chuck Huber, was McCoy in the vignettes they shot in the beginning. So and, the original Bones is stepping in. Right, is coming back, and uh, which is part of the whole big picture. I was I was like a three months or a three weeks notice, you know, uh, replacement or fill in or go to guy when Chuck couldn't didn't think he was going to be able to do the series and do the first one, and um, and that's. Uh, you know that's all turned around. Now it's turned on its ear. So that's all kind of you know it's scratching the the original itch that Vic had for how he was going to do it originally. So, mm-hmm. 
but uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give. I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give back on what we did already. And just the first day of the first shoot and walking into sick bay, all lit up with with surgery props and getting to do surgery behind a, you know, behind all the gear. It was just it was just amazing and see the sets lit up beautifully. That and the people and the whole experience of being there in Kingsland, Georgia, where they're oh look the Star Trek people are in town to shoot again and <laughs> you know that whole that whole experience was just kind of amazing. That and and all the all the spinoffs that have come from it. It's just kind of amazing. It's like I mean you were kidding about the Con of Wrath, but it's like you can go you could you could have written the Bible. But until you make a movie from the Bible, it's almost like um, <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. Now that in the world we live in today, so anyway, so that's been good, and that's that's what I wanted to do anyway. I wanted to not just be a word guy and get into media, and and whether it's me performing or it's me telling stories and or me just getting my you know my my archival interviews digitized and onto this you know okay shameless plug. Uh, where are we? You know, Trackland on speaker. Trackland on speaker CDs. But you know, producing and hosting and and being out there and um, and using that part of me and 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 uh, I you know I've enjoyed doing that and and this was a huge uh, the the premiere we had at at the Phoenix Comic Con for episode one of Continues and we had like four thousand people in the room and fifteen hundred hung around to to get a signed cast poster from everybody. It was. I, I'll just. I'll never. <laughs> I think meeting Gene Roddenberry for ten minutes was the first time. Was was a kind of a moment. But that's another kind of a moment. You know. It's, I'm just thrilled to have had that. Had that memory now, and to have had the opportunity. And so thanks, Vic, and thank everybody on the on the team for all. Most, that. It's, it's been amazing. Most definitely. If, and if anyone hasn't uh, watched it, it's got such fantastic. Um, my production value and also just the I writing is fantastic. Sorry, what was you going to say, Matt? I was going to say I was I was I was watched the uh, Lalani again, Lalani again earlier, and I was reading the credits and uh, didn't realise this, Larry. And uh, I think your portrayal of Tellerite Crewman was, uh, <laughs> was exquisite, exquisite. Thank you. I had the great I had the great fall down dead dive that they preserved there at the end. Yeah. No, I it was like. I was it was tickled when they had Tellarites in this. It's, it, all it is is like the, the the jaggedy memory trauma flashback, and I said, okay, if you're doing Tellarites, I have to be one of them. So it was just a little B shoot that we did in L.A. and um, they were kind of Tellarites on the cheap, but it was so quickie that uh, you don't really see them <laughs> close up. But it gets the it gets the point across. In fact, they look way better than I was expecting them to look, and um, I've I've got some pictures. So if, if you're Tellarite fan, or if you're really anal about Lolani. Be watching my blog, and I'll put some. I'll put my behind. I've got some videos I haven't put up yet. Uh, there's some other crazy things I put up from Lolani. But um, uh, speaking of Hitler and shaving my beard, um, but um, uh, I'll have some Tellarite pictures to put up too. But no, that was a, I couldn't. I couldn't let that go by. My gosh, there's still a. I, somebody was asking me the other day, and I was like, Yeah, there's still the great Tellarite story has yet to be written, and somewhere on some fan film or animation or something, sometime. We're gonna finally, we're gonna finally have the great American Tellerite novel on, <laughs> on film somewhere. <laughs> All that voice acting uh, will uh, finally pay off. I hope so, human. <laughs> <laughs> you, how do you vote, Sarak of Vulcan? See, there you go. I say sneak peek. Uh, oh. <laughs> Also, uh, just uh, one quick word for. Um, or, or watch the uh, Phase Two vignette. Um, um, 
the little short. Uh, uh, I've just gone blank on the name of it, but it's it's the short that was filmed and then it like hung around and John Kerrigan got it and put the pieces together and I'm a, I'm actually a full blown fully makeup uh, Tellerite in that, and uh, that was a real fan hoot too. That came it's it's on YouTube out there too. Um, I've just gone blank on. I've gone blank on uh, the title. But anyway, it's the Klingon oh, short. It's all the Klingons and one Tellerite. <laughs> we'll find out where it is and put a link in the video. <laughs> so, but, uh, now that, that's some fine Tellerite acting. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of our listeners just wanted us to pass on uh, a message to uh, Larry, which was, uh, from Darren Pickles, and he, uh, we've already discussed it, but he said that your stellar cartography book is fantastic. Oh yay! yay. One happy customer. Good, good, good. I mean, I'm I'm all I'm very much up to hear you know constructive criticism and suggestions and all that, but people have been just overwhelmingly positive about it. I think people are just hungry for something cool and you know outside the box. No, no pun intended. You know and. Um, and you know, kudos to well. Here's the thing: kudos to Amazon and kudos to um, Becker Mayer and all everybody involved in doing this. And if you want, it's I feel like I'm at an NPR or a, or a PBS thing. If you're if you're wanting to have more cool nonfiction Star Trek, buy it. Buy buy David Goodman's Federation 150 book. Buy all of the things because it's just like social media. It's like the counter. You know, money talks. And um, that's why I was trying to get people to pre who were going to order it anyway to pre-sale it, to, to pre-order it before Christmas, before December 3rd. Um, because the, the bigger of fasts, you know, in May and June and July, that ticker going up high made a real impact. So um, I know Amazon is not just with this book, but Amazon's kind of cutting back on how many of these kind of cool outside the box things they they want to have sitting in warehouses. Uh, so we there'll be other other venues out there, other channels, too, and they, they're not getting out of it. I'm, they're just cutting back a little bit. But um, if you, you know, if you really enjoy this kind of programming, <laughs> um, you know, get one, get one for everybody you know, get one for the. It's like lately, I've been telling everybody to, if you, uh, now here, you guys answer me real quick, and I promise I won't get off on this. We have Netflix in the states that's channeling. You know, you buy your Netflix, and and in the states, you can watch all the Star Treks and all the movies are on. Mm -hmm. You can literally. Whatever your favorite show is, you can watch all. You know, you can put it on advance and just sit there and have them click off after. Do you have anything like that um, comparable? Yeah, I mean, there's Netflix and uh, Love Film, which is Amazon's um, streaming service as well. But I don't have everything on, do they? I think they've only just added season five of TNG on. Yeah, with regards to Star Trek, our Netflix is so far behind. We've only just got up to season five of TNG. So, they don't even have the whole run of TNG. No, don't have. I think they're I think they're going with the HD releases. Oh, okay. So they're only up to where they are on that. But they, they haven't feel, even done TOS. They feel like if they put up season six, it will hurt sales of the Blu-ray or something. Maybe. I guess. Okay. Possibly. Well, in the states anyway, I've been telling people after advice passed on to me. That if you want to see, say, Star Trek back on TV, which I almost feel like we're back in the 70s mm -hmm. again, and that's become our ultimate goal now of fandom is to get a series back sooner than later. But it's like um, – it's so weird here with you know Netflix. 
I, the dynamic may take a while to filter through to you all or any other country outside the U.S., but here, the fact that Netflix is a platform that's doing House of Cards and Oranges and New Black and uh, as, as the original platform, you know, taking the place of a network mm-hmm. and, even a, and even a studio that supplies a network. Because studios would go over and supply, you know, cable, you know, premium and cable channels, whatever. But the idea that Netflix is originating, you know, they had the the extra season of Arrested Development, and then there's and other other places are are doing original content too. Netflix is kind of in the lead, and that they're Emmy, you know, that they're award worthy nominated programs and winning awards. So that whole thing is kind of that, and the fact that CBS is very much aware that Netflix. Is that Star Trek is showing up hugely on Netflix, even more than here in the states. The biggest, I mean, CBS right now has the biggest properties: NCIS, One Hour Drama, Big Bang Theory of half-hour sitcoms, and Star Trek out pulls them all on Netflix. So they're cognizant of that. So it's like here's the here's the secret here's the secret strategy, kids. What I'm telling people in the states is, and I, it probably wouldn't hurt for you guys, even if all you have is five years of TNG. But it's like put it on the background, even if you're not watching, put it on, turn it on, let the ticker run, put it on automatically advance, you know, and uh, you know, put it on the back room, put it on while you're making dinner or you're changing the baby diaper or whatever you're, you're doing. Going to work, set it up. Let that wheel turn, you know, and uh, be, let it, let that be your white noise of the house, and. Uh, and, and CBS will be happy they make their pennies, and it'll look impressive, just like if you buy 47 copies of Stellar Cartography. You know that'll look impressive to to Amazon or or whatever. You know, yeah. watch. So um, it's all about the it's all about the metrics. In a way, it's what we've always said about like you know here in the states, the ratings, TV ratings. It's just everything has a rating, and everything is easily measurable. Yeah. So it has that bigger impact. You know, but now the studios are catching up with the new technology as to where they should be paying attention to. Uh, did yeah. they, it, did they ever gain any ground? Because I know that there was a campaign a while back for Enterprise to uh, uh, be brought back for a fifth season. Um, yeah. Did that ever gain any ground, or has that just fallen flat on its face? Well, I don't. That what that was was a fan grassroots. Campaign on Facebook mm-hmm. to convince Netflix that they should approach CBS about doing a fifth season. They're like, "Look, look, mm-hmm. there's all of us here, and you're the ones to do it, and this is how it would get done, and all, you know all the things I just mentioned." Um, and there's there's talk that there's interest of that kind of thing, whether it's specifically a new season of Enterprise or whatever. The you know the idea was that. You could build the sets easily. You could maybe green screen a lot more now, and you could then for lesser things and do it on a budget. But all the actors were pretty much now. Scott Bakula just got uh, cast as the lead in the new uh, NCIS spinoff. It's supposed to be set in New Orleans, so um, oh. I don't know about his availability. There's a backdoor pilot, like a two-hour, just like they launched the way they, those drama shows launch, those crime procedurals launch. Now they'll have a two-hour thing where the lead goes to another city. In their franchise, <laughs> and um, they meet, the, and then the new guy in the new city is going to be the lead, and his team is the new team, you know, kind of a thing. Well, they did that and with NCIS LA, didn't they? And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And they would do that with, um, uh, like, with uh, uh, CSI. All the CSIs would launch each other, uh, New York and and Miami that way. So, um, so yeah. But the idea was that the cast would probably, you know, come back in a heartbeat. 
And uh, that was the idea, and it doesn't hurt anybody. I mean, like what got my attention was when Doug Drexler came out, who I know Doug, and when he put his name publicly on that, it's like, well, it's not like I'm telling. It's not like they were asking people to put money into something. You know, it wasn't a. There was no. He was just saying, hey, if you want to see this back, throw your name. It's like a petition, basically. Yeah. And uh, but I loved his comment, and this is a this is a blog at. at uh, this is a vid chat at, at my Trekland blog. You can go back and see us talk. But uh, I love it when he said, we've had so many new fans come into all of Star Trek. The J.J. movies, yes, but also the Netflix and the Blu-rays and all the promotion and attention they've gotten. Um, and whatever. People just finding shows now. But the DS9 fandom, in the States anyway, has gotten much huger thanks to Netflix. There's way more people that are fans of DS9 now than when it was kind of getting squeezed out as the middle child and people weren't used to the serialized format. But as far as Enterprise goes, Doug said that uh, Enterprise has so many new fans now, they don't know they were supposed to hate the show. <laughs> kind of going back to the day when it got kicked around a lot. You know, there's There's very valid criticisms of Enterprise, especially in the middle there. But uh, it be kind of a it became kind of a piled on thing, and and like Chris and I were talking this morning, and he said, you know, there's a thing of you don't you don't realize what you don't have until you don't have it, you know, you don't realize what you're missing, and all of Star Trek being off the air, it's almost like everybody got spoiled, and and in the middle of all the valid criticisms, a lot of it is just we take things for granted, and now we've had no Trek on TV for a long time, and people are hungry for something. And um, that's that's what's fueling a lot of this, and you know, and with so many new fans coming in, they're they're wanting it for the first time. So anyway, fandom's just in a you know between the digital and the delivery and the media, and new fans and old and you know we're we're still I mean like Star Trek, the world Trekland, it's like it never cha it's it's like it never stays the same it never stagnates it's like every every year that's why I love talking to you guys or or at conventions and we talk. There's all these new paradigms, and everything keeps shifting and evolving and changing, and year to year, and you can't get trapped thinking about the new thing the way you thought about the old the old thing two years ago. Yeah. You know, it's like everything is the media landscape and the online landscape and digital and every people are making movies on their laptops. You know, the fan films are insanely amazing, and every month there's a new fan film, you know, announced trying to get out there and be made. I mean, it's just it, we live in amazing times, guys. No, definitely. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Whilst there's a, a void from like official sources, the fans always dig in, and now there's just so many new ways of doing it. Yeah. So, I've heard people that used to podcast are now going online with a video component. It's amazing. I've wow. heard that. I don't know if it will take off, but good luck to them. So, Larry, we are hitting that marker. So, uh, uh oh, I know that's the, it. Rolls around so quick. I'm shocked. I, I was trying to be a. I was trying to be a better boy. I hope I was a little bit. You was a good boy. You behaved yourself, okay. Larry. We hit okay. plenty of targets. <laughs> good. Well, we got to. If there was anything you guys wanted, to, you know, talk about it. I was trying to get around to some contemporary things there too. So. No, no, that's very yeah. good. Well. Well, we'll definitely have you back again at some point, Larry, and we'll, uh, I don't know, uh, we'll try and f uh, think up just one big uh, discussion so that we can <laughs> concentrate uh, on one subject for a while, but no, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you once again.
Oh, yeah. Well, you guys, too. And, and maybe by then we'll see if this whole TV video-ish thing is going to fly for real or not. You know, I, I don't know. I don't well, know. it's one of them things that we it, – it, it, it's just making yourself presentable. We can't do our podcast in our pajamas anymore. That's right. <laughs> it's it's really raised the bar on you guys, you know, being, uh, you know, not despicable. So um. exactly, exactly. <laughs> we've, we've we've got to behave somewhat. Yeah, well, I guess your your impressive autograph wall there behind you is is a nice uh, backdrop there too. Yeah, I know. I've uh, I've just moved into the cupboard, so at the moment it's the five captains keeping me company at the moment. Well, I think you're you're in good hands. Yeah, no, definitely. Your own your own little center seat there. So <laughs> I know. I I just need to get the uh, D bridge kind of printed on a uh, on the background there. Yeah. You need a you need a stand up of McCoy leaning on your chair arm over there is what you need or something, you know. Or or maybe the famous uh, Riker pose, one leg up, so it appears like he's on the chair. Yep, yep, yep. I don't I don't I'm trying to think of iconic things from the other shows, but I think you can't go wrong with those two. So yeah, no, definitely. So thank you everybody for listening and for watching us uh, in this week's show, and a special thanks to. The people who joined us on Twitter and YouTube uh, in the comments box, which was James Roberts, Simon Foster, Steve Roberts, Cena, Robert Sully, and Darren Pickles. So thank you for joining us this week, guys. Uh, remember, if you want to join us for a live show in the future, then we will let you know the times at forum.trekmatefamily.com. Uh, also, at TrekMate1701 on Twitter, or search for TrekMate on Facebook. You can find our live shows and other Star Trek-related videos at youtube.com forward slash trekmatepodcast. Please subscribe, like, and share our videos if you'd like to see us do more. And if you'd like to leave feedback for the show, join in the chat at our forums. Uh, contact us via email at trekmate1701 at gmail.com, or leave us a review on iTunes. And finally, remember to visit our website at trekmatefamily.com where you can find lots of other great Star Trek podcasts and keep up to date with the latest Star Trek news thanks to our editors, Simon and James. <laughs> it's still a mouthful. We've cut it down. You did it. And here, I'll take, can I just say uh, LarryNimichek.com and my Trekland trunk that I'm opening up also? But everybody can find me at all my normal stuff. Quickly, pimp, pimp the Trekland trunk quickly. Oh, I didn't say, yeah. Trekland trunk is we moved, and I went, my God, I've got a lot of Trek stuff. But it's not like store-bought stuff. So I've got draft scripts and set plans and wacky-doodle promotional items and things. And I've got a Facebook page. Go join it, and I put up word of that. And it's mainly eBay, but sometimes we do a live thing on Facebook, which people love doing. And... Um, I do that so I don't have to run around the internet and go, oh, come over and throw money at me for this, you know, oily, smarmy little used car thing I have that looks Cardassian or something. I, it's just kind of a hopefully a nice, clean way of if you're a collector and you're curious, or if you're a huge Voyager fan and you want Voyager stuff, then you know, I mean, googie things like this Comic Con. This is fairly recent. This is a Comic Con exclusive 2009 uh, CBS giveaway thing. It's kind of a, just a goofy thing, but um, you know. But then you might. I have like these are like I have a whole raft of early. Um, you see those? See, it doesn't. These are DS9 draft scripts. These are these just sold. These are a second and third draft of Melora. 
there's no big DS9 logo because they were drafts before the finals came out, and a lot of th that's very cool. And I, I just some of them I got, some of them I glommed onto. But if you're a student of the writing, if you're a huge fan of the show or some characters, um, you know, keep an eye out because uh, it's a great way to see where the show. You know, in the companion, I would write about the roads not taken, or here's the roots of the show, and then here's how it changed and all that. And actually having the, um, you know, the the Real deal in your hands, just kind of like, oh wow, this you can see the progression and and everything. But anyway, we got set plans and writers guides and all kinds of cool stuff. I've had some artboard paste ups; they're almost all gone, but I still have a few of those. Um, you know, things like uh, whoa, things like this. I know we're running over time. Can you see this is like a mid TNG level Starfield monitor with all like cast and crew names for the stars and things. That's you what know. you need in your little cupboard way. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But anyway, so yeah, you never know what's going to come out of the trunk, but that's the kind of thing. Occasionally it's a commercial thing, but if it is a commercial thing, it's something really, really either rare or obscure or, or strange about it. So, Brilliant. you know, crew, crew, crew t-shirts, crew, crew hats, crew obscure rap party things, that kind of thing. Just stuff I glommed onto over the years. So, Brilliant. so but that's the Trekland trunk, yeah. Uh, whereabouts on Facebook was that once again, Larry? Just uh, look up Trekland, the Trekland Trunk, and I think I have a Trekland Trunk Twitter that, as a backup. So uh, yeah, come in and join us. And like I said, just know. And then if you if it's not your thing, then let it go by. But if it's something you piques your interest, then you can jump in. Excellent. And they can uh, if people want to contact you, it's just at Larry Nemchek on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can find you over at uh, Trekland at larrynemichek.blogspot.co.uk. Right, right, right. Uh, the uh, if you just come to treklandblog.com, that'll get me to the to the regular Trekland blog and some of these videos I was talking about and all that. They're all hosted on YouTube, but it's always cool if you go to the blog <laughs> instead of just YouTube. But yeah, yeah, all that. And of course, conorvrath.com and um, and uh, you know, as a sidebar, if you want to go over and like the page of Star Trek continues. Official Star Trek continues. We've got we're bearing down on a hundred thousand likes, and um, the second episode is coming up on like a, a million views combined. So that's kind of amazing. Definitely. So yeah, yeah. And I've, I I will have a couple of other things hopefully by later in the year to talk about and announce. That's kind of what I'm got my head down right now about. So um, thanks for making me take a break and picking my head up and <laughs> and talk to you guys. <laughs> No, thank you for joining us, Larry. Yeah, so, thanks. Uh, I, so in that case, it's time to wrap up the show. Uh, Larry, it, it, see if you can work out how this goes. Okay. So thank you for joining us, guys. I've been Wayne Emery. Your turn, oh. Larry. Oh, my, oh, oh, that's my cue? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. And uh, I've been Matt Warwick. So thank you for joining us, and that is TrekMate. You've been listening to the TrekMate Podcast. Would you like to get a hold of us? Visit trekmate.org.uk and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. Don't worry. We will get to the bottom of this. All right. As 
Ten feet away. 